And so every time the time, every time it comes time to submerge into God's wisdom, which is unsearchable in its nature, the unchanging epigraph of the study of these depths is the book of Luke 24:44. Then Jesus said to his disciples, These are the words which I spoke to you while I was still with you, that all things must be fulfilled which are written in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms concerning me. And for us, as the participants of the body of Christ, to share together with Christ all the things that are to be fulfilled that are written about Him in Scripture, we will continue to study our collaboration with the truth of the Word of God and with the Holy Spirit revealing the truth in the heart, looking at what we need to do from our side to receive the right to the power to put off our former way of life so we can put on the new way of life. That you put off concerning your former conduct, the old man, which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lusts, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that you put on the new man, which is created in accordance to God in true righteousness and holiness. Ephesians 4, 22 through 24. An incredible... But for some reason, the apostles never... Uh, uh, encouraged uh, the saved people to evangelize. We read that they, we don't see them saying, brothers, go to the whole world and preach the gospel to all men. This was just to the apostles it was spoken. Why did they in turn not pressure others to do this kind of uh, work? They actually encouraged them to put off their former conduct, the old man, who this old man that grows corrupt according to the deceitful lusts, renew their uh, mind by the spirit of their mind and put on their new person that is created in accordance to God and true righteousness and holiness. This was the main will of God and the main calling of every saved person. This is what they were called to do. And so to fulfill this commanding order, as we've already established, we have been studying three vital, charging, and fundamental acts to put off, be renewed, and put on. We've noted that it is specifically your decision regarding these three destiny-affecting acts to put off, be renewed, and put on that will determine whether you transform yourself into a vessel of mercy or a vessel of wrath. Will the coming about of our salvation happen that is given to us in the format of a guarantee or will we lose it which will then result in our names being forever blotted out of the book of life although they may have been written there at one time in a specific format we've already studied the first two questions and have been studying the third question what conditions do we need to fulfill so that by the means of an already renewed mind we begin the process of clothing ourselves into the power of our new person that is created in accordance to God and Christ Jesus in righteousness and holy truth. 
And we stopped to study the conditions consisting in the 18th Psalm of David, where the Holy Spirit, with the right that He alone has, reveals conditions based upon which we are called to collaborate our faith prayer with the name of God El Elyon, or God Most High, so that we can forever thrust Him out from out of our body into hell with noise, and afterwards erect the kingdom of heaven in the form of the stronghold of eternal life in the place of the stronghold of death within our body. And this condition is that in the circumstances of our hardship in life, when we are putting off the old man, we can call upon the Most High, ask to our God, and confess the faith of our heart, stating who God is to us in Christ Jesus, what God has done for us in Christ Jesus, and who we are to God in Christ Jesus, so that this is information is contained in the A names of God and this consistency of these eight names is the lot of our inheritance in Jesus Christ and so stating these things so that God when we confess these things so that God can receive the proper grounds to battle for our earthly bodies and shame the reigning in our body sin in the form of our old person by the power of his redemption and with noise forever throw him into hell. Getting to know and confessing the power contained in the heart of David in these eight following names of God allowed David to love and call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised to be saved from his enemies. And for God discovering the truth revealing the power of his names in the heart of David provided God proper ground to use his abilities that consist in these eight names to battle against the enemies of David that were within his body. I will love you, O Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, my God, my strength, in whom I will trust, my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. I will call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised. So shall I be saved from my enemies. Psalm 18, 1 through 3. The Lord is my strength. The Lord is my rock. The Lord is my fortress. The Lord is my deliverer. The Lord is my strength in whom I will trust. The Lord is my shield. The Lord is the horn of my salvation. And the Lord is my stronghold. In a specific format, as much as the Lord has allowed and the measure of our faith, we already looked at our lot, the lot of our inheritance, and the power contained strength or the name of God strength and have turned to look at our lot and the power of the promise contained in the name of the most high rock in scripture the definition of the word rock relating to the natural quality of God God most high and his children as well is illustrated in the following way resistant strong healthy wise tested or tried rooted well established immovable constant continual, fearless, unquenchable, unpenetrating for sin, free from sin, and independent from sin, filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. Here is the quality and character of what is a rock pertaining to the name of God Most High found in Scripture in these forms, stone, cliff, a span, a measuring wreath or a rod, heaviness, weight, and scales. This means a specific weight by which we can determine 
God judges, evaluates us, the price and worth of the weighed person. Scale or scale plates of the Lord pertaining to the name of God Rock is the absolute power and ability of the Most High, identified as His wisdom to fairly judge or weigh all of the made by Him creation, so that each one weighed upon the plates of these scales receive His reward according to His results or His weight, what He did in His life, good or evil. If good, then His weight will be in accordance to the weight of God's commandments, and when upon one plate he will place his commandments and upon the other plate a good person then they will be even but when he places a person who thought of himself more than he ought to then it, he will be very light and God will then punish him that will be taking salvation from him although this person always relied and thought and was very confident in the fact that he is saved he was con uh, people convinced him of that it was never taught he was never taught he was never told that salvation is given in the format of a guarantee that you need to turn it to profit you need to uh, bear your methicella you need to turn it to profit so that you can bear fruits of righteousness because only with the fruits of righteousness which we bear the fruits of our womb will we then drive out the old person from our body everything God will do he will do with our words by our confessions it is your by your confessions your words you will be condemned or your or you will be justified when a person justifies himself uh, unlawfully he will of course inherit destruction because he unlawfully uh, justified himself you need to lawfully justify yourself you need to know how to do that not just shout I am righteous but know what you did that you are now righteous how you received it if you went to evangelize and then tell God look what I did how much good work I have done in the world. But God says, I don't need this good work. It's not called good. Good work is your changed character, the fruits of your spirit. But you ignored that. And everything you did and called the fruits of, of virtue were fruits of the flesh for which there will be punishment. The weights of the Most High are commandments and statutes of the Most High, according to which he judges or weighs upon the scale plates of his justice, the made by him creation. Therefore, to possess the power of the Most High, consisting in his name, Rock, is to possess power and the ability to weigh your words and actions upon the scale plates of justice of the Most High, as well as the words and actions of those people that we carry responsibility for. Relevant to this, we stop to study the third question. What price do we need to pay in order to possess the right to clothe our spirit into the virtue of a rock of God, so that God can receive the proper basis to keep us in His perfect peace? You will keep Him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on you, because He trusts in you. Isaiah 26, 3. In a specific format, we've already looked at the price of our of four conditions that when fulfilled are called to clothe our spirit into a rock of the Lord. Therefore, we will turn to look at the fifth condition. 
And so the first component of the results of perfect peace in the rock quality of our spirit is our ability to trust upon God. And the second component of the results of perfect peace is our ability to guard with a wall our calling which is our body. But, and so we need to guard it again with a, with a wall because our body as it is now prompts God's wrath and it needs to be guarded with a wall in order to transform it into a heavenly body. You have not gone up into the gaps to build a wall for the house of Israel to stand in battle on the day of the Lord. Ezekiel 13.5 we will understand what it's talking about. Because people think that it's talking about the Jews. But Apostle Paul says, not all are Jews and not all are Israelites who call themselves Israelites or Jews. And not all are children of Abraham who are convinced that they're children of Abraham, but only those who by spirit, by faith, are in the likeness of Abraham. And so, looking at what is contrary to the component we are studying here, this version of this place of scripture would have been written this way. For example, if we had had gone into the gaps to build a wall. You go up into the gaps and build a wall for the house of Israel so that you can firmly stand in battle on the day of the Lord. This is what God wants to see. Considering that the etymology of the word Israel means warrior in prayer, we conclude that the symbol of the house of Israel is the house of prayer in the form of our body identified as the temple of the Holy Spirit. Upon the condition that we are an organic member of the body of Christ that is a specific church of saints who has a leader that is clothed by the Holy Spirit into the power of a Father of God. This is the structure uh, or order that needs to be within a church. Considering, therefore, that the house of Israel is something we are studying as our own body, called to be a house of prayer in which God abides, to possess the virtue of a wall so that it can be a guard for the house of Israel, that is a guard for our body from the wrath of God, is having within your heart the ability to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit and give the Holy Spirit the proper grounds to hear your voice. And the ability of such a unique collaboration consists in our ability to honor God and perform His will in order to quench your hunger and thirst by getting to know God and His good goals to fulfill God's will. In order to fulfill God's will, you need to hunger and thirst to fulfill it. In order to know Him, you hunger to know Him. And so you get to know God and His good goals, which entail adopting our body by the redemption of Christ. It is written in scripture, John 9.31, Now we know that God does not hear sinners, but if anyone is a worshiper of God and does his will, he hears him. And so you may ask, well, what if I sin? If you sin, that doesn't mean you're a sinner. It says in scripture, the righteous will fall seven times and rise again. A, a, a person may sin. A sinner sins as a state. It's his natural state to sin. The righteous, this is not his natural state. He, when a sin uh, somehow uh, convinces him or he's somehow attracted by sin and he commits a sin, it is, our nature is inherent to God's. It is 
sinless. It cannot sin. That is, of course, if you are born from God. Upon practice, this means possess the power of a legitimate median or middleman enter into the presence of God in order to present his interests for the benefit of the safety of our body from the wrath of God directed against reigning sin within our body in the form of our old person. The foundation for fulfilling such a calling and such a great goal is the promise that belongs to, to the door of our hope abiding within our heart which consists in driving out the old man from within our body into hell and and erecting the stronghold of life within our body. I will stand my watch and set myself on the rampart and watch to see what he will say to me and what I will answer when I am corrected. Then the Lord answered me and said, Write the vision and make it plain on tablets that he may run who reads it. God is the reader, he sees the heart, who will read what's upon your heart, what did you imprint upon your heart, and he can easily read it. For the vision is yet for an appointed time, but at the end it will speak, it will not lie. Though it tarries, wait for it, because it will surely come, it will not tarry. Behold, the proud, his soul is not upright in him, but the just shall live by faith. Habakkuk 2, 1-4 According to this thought, we conclude that to stand in the gaps as a wall of safety for the house of Israel is to possess the legitimate right of an intercessor. Guard with a wall your calling in the form of your body, which is called to be a house of prayer in which God abides. So I sought for a man among them who would make a wall and stand in the gap before me on behalf of the land that I should not destroy it, but I found no one. Therefore, I have poured out my indignation on them. I have consumed them with the fire of my wrath, and I have recompensed their deeds on their own heads, says the Lord God. Ezekiel 22, 30-31. And this is addressed to his nation, those who say they're the children of Abraham, and those who say that they're Christians, that they believe in God. We are fairly familiar with the fact that in Scripture, the symbol of a wall with the inbuilt tower is a holy person that has grown into full measure of growth in Christ. We have a little sister. This is the book of Songs of Solomon 8, 8 through 10. We have a little sister and she has no breasts. What shall we do for our sister in the day when she is spoken for? She is not yet matured. She does not yet have the egg that would be able to receive the seed, would be able to bear fruit. This is all for the spirit. Don't think of these things as physical. Think of these things as what's in the spirit. If she is a wall, we will build upon her a battlement of silver. When he begins to knock upon the door, stand upon the door and knock, this is the time when he has come to betroth you to himself. And so they ask, what shall we do? For she's not ready to be given. And then another voice responds. First they say, if she is a wall, we will build upon her a battlement of silver. We know that silver is a symbol of salvation. We would have built, built her into a house of God if she would have been a wall. If she would have would not have been an infant in spirit and would not have been attracted by all kinds of teachings, but would have selected the right that one. 
if the holy people needs to understand they need to decide once and for all to listen to one person one pastor and not any others as in a there may be a lot of great good pastors and maybe helpers of pastors but for people to understand that a wife can there can only be one mother there can be only one wife and a church is a mother and a symbol of the wife also the woman and if she is a door we will enclose her with board of cedar for the door that the Lord will knock upon it needs to be overlaid with cedar boards. This is a symbol of righteousness. The righteous is like the cedars so that God can enter uh, through the righteousness of the heart to become king there. Grace uh, because of righteousness. Christ can reign in the heart because of the righteousness. And they say, if she would have been, but it's not there. And then the second one says, she, re she responds. She asks, uh, why are you worried about her? I am a wall, and my breast like towers. Then I became in his eyes as one who found peace. I stood my... I stood on the rampart, he says, to, and waited to see what he'll say to me. The walls have already always been built with these towers so that you can see where the enemy's coming, so you can protect your city that is surrounded by a wall with towers. That this is symbolizes the ability or the, the fact that you have the Urim and Thummim, God can hear you, you can hear God. And so my breast like towers, then I became in his eyes as one who found peace. When we talk about a gap in the wall of the house of prayer, we are talking about the place within our heart which we give to the devil, yielding to the old person with his deeds, who is being supported by organized powers of darkness. This is a breach into a person where demonic powers enter, a person becomes possessed outwardly. They begin to bring him I religious ideas and he begins to see places of scripture and he sees them in a perverse form. When the wicked left and the lawless left, I asked one of these lawless men, what happened? I have not changed. I'm the same. He says, yes, you're the same. You haven't changed. We changed. We began to see the scriptures differently. We now have a different gospel. I was shocked when I heard these words. He, with his words, Apostle Paul said, if uh, another gospel uh, arises, may be cursed. Says this directly in scripture. I will bring forth one place of scripture which contains at least a list of six elements that give place to the, to the devil within our heart, which discredits us as legitimate intercessors called to stand in the gap for our body to guard it with a wall from the wrath of the Lord. Understandably, this is not a complete list, but in the given format, it is well sufficient in order to put a guard over our mouth because it is by specifically by the way of our words 
that come out of our mouth that we will either stand guard at the door of our mouth or we'll give place to the devil. Ephesians 4.25-32 Therefore, putting away lying, let each one of you speak truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath, nor give place to the devil. Let him who stole steal no longer, but rather let him labor, working with his hands what is good, let he, that he may have something to give him who has need. Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but what is good for, nece for necessary edification, that it may impart grace to the hearer, and do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice, and be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. Ephesians 4, 25-32 First place that we give to the devil are words of deceit or lies that we say to one another. Deception a lie, the untruth, something fake, or hypocrisy. The phrase, putting away lying, let each one of you speak truth with his neighbor, means to remove, put aside, put away, reject, remove from the throne. Here we can see that it's to put away to put away lying is to cast off of yourself the old man with his deeds imagine when you reject deception and say that's it no untruth will ever come out of my mouth again you remove the old uh, person from the throne because he is the very essence of deception people come to me and say I don't understand uh, myself why I lie I have no need to lie and I still do what do I do as soon as you lied and you understood that immediately take these words back immediately take them back tell this person I'm sorry this is not true I take these words back don't wait and don't come to me and don't repent in that before me you didn't lie before me you lied to the one that you were speaking uh, that you're speaking with your husband your wife your children your friends your your uh, boss at work tell them that you feel bad that this is I don't know why I said it this way but this is not the way it is this is how it is if you just said uh, some kind of word you could take it back and the removal of this old person will start and then you will become used to speaking truth you, it'll become a habit to speak lies is a habit to speak the truth is a habit to come to church to every service is also a habit to pray at a specific time coming to church is a habit and we need to practice these habits it is enough 40 days to practice something to remove one habit and put another about Christ has said that as usual he would go to the mountain of olives this is as a as his as is his habit he would do this it becomes a quality of your character just as when you w wake up to work at the same time every day but today uh, is the the weekend
end, you're going to uh, sleep a little bit longer, but you still wake up at the same time because your body has already practiced this. It's used to it. And so let us begin to practice good habits, good qualities of character. God will help us. He'll be on your side when you do this. Without Him, it's not going to be possible. But Paul, Apostle Paul says, I can do all things with God who strengthens me, and it will work out for you and for me, for all of us. Not just you, because I am included in the very same things. I say these things to myself first. And so to, again, put away lying is to cast off of yourself the old man with his deeds, practically not removing the armor of the old person, which is our unclean conscience, which he relies on. We will not have any ability to speak the truth to one another. Matthew 12, 34, brood of vipers, how can you, being evil, speak good things? For out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaks. You see here, it says that you can't just do something simply. It, the heart has to be cleansed first. How does the heart become cleansed? By confession. Lord, I lie and I hate this. I reject all of this. I will not do it again and I receive your justification. That's it. Every one of you this very prayer, that doesn't mean you have to come to church to repent. When you make the decision, you can make that at any time and do it. You heard it, you can right now make that decision and say uh, in, in your mind or in prayer later, Lord, I will no longer lie. I want you to cleanse my heart by the blood of your son, Jesus Christ. And when you say this, God will immediately begin to act. He begins to do the work because of your confessions. And then you'll say, Lord, I believe in your word, may be according to your word, and your heart will become clean. And now, begin, because the mouth has become used to saying bad things. And as soon as you say it again, your conscience will immediately start helping. This is a judge that will remind you and help you. Many, they speak lies, but their conscience doesn't judge them. But when your heart becomes clean, your conscience will again begin to judge you for any unfaithfully spoken or incorrect word or lie that may have been spoken. Second place that we give to the devil is our wrath that we do not get rid of by the setting of the sun. We will remember that here we are talking about the relationship of the saints one with the other, where our neighbor somehow offends us, somehow prompted our anger or our frustration. This mainly happens in families, parents uh, at the children, children at the parents, a husband to the wife, wife uh, to the husband, rarely in the churches, but it's more that in the families this happens. And so when someone uh, prompts our anger, our frustration, <clears throat> because of this, his justification being the only clothing and covering he has for his nakedness ends up within our hands. He has become guilty before us. And when a person becomes guilty before us, it's not important whether it's in the family. We're talking about Church of Saints. As soon as a person becomes uh 
guilty before us. He's, he's, he's guilty. His clothing is in our hands and he's naked before God. He has committed a sin. And now his clothes, his justification is in your hands. I will bring forth a place of scripture so we can see this is truly so. Exodus 22, 26, 27. If you ever take your neighbor's garment as a pledge, you shall return it to him before the sun goes down. For that is his only covering. It is his garment for his skin. What will he sleep in? And it will be that when he cries to me, I will hear, for I am gracious. An interesting commandment before the sun goes down. This is a unique situation where we are called to forgive our neighbor when he is not asking us for forgiveness. We mean when the holy people with each other, they have conversations or because he thinks that his words that are spoken against us is the truth. Oftentimes, a person who has offended us thinks that what he said is the truth. He, that's his point of view. That's how he saw something. He didn't know that it's not right. But it's not right, but he doesn't know that. And he has offended you, and as soon as he offended you, he becomes naked before God. This is the only clothing for his body. And if we before the sun goes down, do not return it. Oftentimes a person comes and says, forgive me. The other says, well, I can't. I can't. They ask me, what do I do? I ask forgiveness. They don't forgive me. I tell them, you did your part. You fulfilled your part. You asked forgiveness. Now, that person will be guilty who holds on to your righteousness, your, your garment. What will God do? He will take his garment from him. He will, he will make him naked. He's, he'll say, you do, I'll do this according to your words. Forgive me as I forgive my debtors. So I will forgive you just as you forgave. I told you, being a young man, I suddenly realized what I was saying in prayer. I realized, I saw that... I didn't have it that I forgave that way. I didn't want God forgiving me like I forgave others. I didn't know how to forgive. I didn't. I didn't know how to do that. And so I decided to. Uh, uh, I decided to uh, not say those words. And it, when the prayer happened, and so when we prayed the prayer, our Father, and we came to this place, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. I just went quiet and I always looked at everyone and 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 knew perfectly that these people were angry at one another, uh, offended one another in many ways, and I understood that what they're saying is going to condemn them. You're going to go to hell if, if you don't forgive your neighbor, but you're expecting God to forgive you. I didn't know, of course, at the time that I was worse than they were because I was familiar with that, but I was being arrogant over them. I began to to be arrogant over them. I didn't pray that part of the 
And when I realized this, I became afraid. I was very afraid in my heart. I told the Lord, Lord, I want to forgive. I can't. I don't know how. It's not working. I thought to forgive our emotions so that the, uh, the feeling of offense would leave me, but it wouldn't leave. I want to. And then the Holy Spirit taught me how to forgive. That forgiveness is the act of the mind and will and not the act of feelings. You need to lead your feelings instead. And if they don't follow, I'll just cut them off for a time. I did this as a young man. When my feelings, I told them, because you continue to hurt and don't listen, I'm going to punish you for that. You know how I punished them? I didn't give them food. I didn't feed my them for a day, two days. And that's how I'm going to punish you. And the feeling would go away too. I, of course, at the time fully didn't understand it yet fully either. I should have just said, Lord, I did my part. I forgave before the setting of the sun. Now heal my emotions. We need to understand that sometimes we may make mistakes, but it's very important, a very important part. Hell will be filled with uh, saints who did not forgive one another. Their conscience wasn't judging them because it had burned out for that. For other uh, sins, it condemned them, but for this, it didn't, because in the beginning it did, but then burned out. And because it burned out, they did everything. They, uh, as if remained made pure in all other things and they were very surprised when on the other side of time they met with Christ and fell at his feet saying Lord and he told them I don't know you how did you not know my word that I'm faithful to my words did you not pray to me our father forgive me as I forgive my debtors did you not think that I don't watch over my word and I fulfill my word? Lord, how? In hell, forever. You had time. Maybe my brothers and sisters send someone and let, let them tell these people about this. They're always being told these things. And you read and pray these things. <clears throat> Third place we give to the devil is thievery or stealing, where we claim for ourselves those things that do not belong to us. And so nature, such a nature of thievery when it comes to God are our tithes and our offerings, which although are within our possession, are a possession and holiness that belongs to God. Will a man rob God? Yet you have robbed me. But you say, in what way have we robbed you? In tithes and offerings. You are cursed with a curse. And so when people rob God and are cursed with a curse, you think that do you think that these cursed will inherit the heavens? Of course not. The humble will inherit 
the heavens. The meek will, but these will inherit curses. You are cursed with a curse, for you have robbed me, even this whole nation. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. And try me now in this, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such blessing that there will not be room enough to receive it, I will rebuke the devourer for your sake, so that he will not destroy the fruit of your ground, nor shall the, the vine fail to bear fruit for you in the field, says the Lord of hosts, and all nations will call you blessed, for you will be a delightful land, says the Lord of hosts. Malachi 3, 8 through 12. <clears throat> and so people become calm. Well, this is an element of the Old Testament. This is not the New Testament. I'm sorry, where did the New Testament come from? John says, I don't write you a new commandment, but the old. That new commandment is the very is the old one. I'm not telling you anything new. Yeah, you may not need to physically offer a sacrifice. You need to offer uh, a sacrifice of praise or an offering of praise. The ritual maybe had gone away, but what is what has changed? You think that God, there was one God, and in the New Testament he became a different God? There he said, curse you are with a curse. If you don't honor me with tithes that are within your possession, and now in the New Testament I've changed, in the New Testament voluntary offerings as if tithes were not a voluntary uh, act. You see how uh, they trick men saying, well, tithes need to be voluntary as if they were not voluntary. Any offering that is voluntary that is not in the clothed in the format of a tithe is not accepted by God because when you give something to God you give it, give it to him as his possession this is your holy part sometimes people uh, give me some money and say well I give I give you this money and I say are you sure you're giving this to me so I can use it as as I find need and they say yes and uh, I tell them thank you and so I'll then take just as much as he gave me or she gave me and put it add it to whatever they gave me and give it back to them and say here you go sometimes I bless like that too I accept I have the right to of, co of course accept if you give to God then you give to his person when he returns to you when he gives to you he'll give to you just, as, just the same he's a father you think if I see a poor person that does good and he doesn't have anything but I have and people ask, are you not embarrassed to accept uh, from this person? I say, no, he gives to God. He has no other way for God to bless him. If I don't do this, then I will block his way uh, of a blessing into his life. The only way for him to be blessed, he needs to give it to me here first to bring to the church. You don't need to give to me personally. We come and honor God with, with, uh, with tithes in the church.
This is a type of, of, of robbery, thievery. And so if it exists, that people need to know. God still calls his church a church. If there's this kind of robbery that exists, if you don't repent, you will not end up in heaven with a curse you are cursed, it says. The sixth chapter of Hebrews, Apostle Paul writes, there in the Old Testament, mortal men receive the tithe, but here those who are immortal receive it. The New Testament did not uh, cancel out the, the, the service of tithe. It actually confirms it. There are mortal men, and here are those who receive immortality. And so Christ, in the person or by the person who represents Christ, receives those tithes. Thievery, when it comes to each other, where we give place to the devil are the words of the delegated of God, the authorship of which we ascribe to ourselves. These kinds of people also will not end up in heaven. God writes in Ezekiel, you steal the words. I did not give them to you. You, sold, you stole them and claimed them as if the Holy Spirit revealed them to you. You, because you have taken my silver and my gold and have carried into your temples by prized possessions Joel 3.5 and so these people these lawless and unclean this rebellious charismatic movement it's, it's not charismatic it's false charismatic they are all thieves they take and pervert the scriptures, pervert the truth, and that house cannot be a house of prayer because they are a idol house and they bring in the best of silver and gold and they begin to tell stories. And so they're professionals in the work that they do. They uh, teach in uh, they teach in the universities they don't live according to what they teach uh, at all but they but they teach them God did not command us to receive knowledge in universities but in his church a university is not a church God wanted that he be known in his church uh, there was a gentleman who was in our service once. Uh, he said, Brother Arkady, you preach everything uh, correctly and so deeply. Can people understand what you say here? You need to be teaching in a university. And I asked them, where do I uh, speak these words? Do you think this is not a university? This is greater than a university. This is a church of God. It is greater than any university. People who went to universities to study the Word of God, if they believed in God then, they become broken and disappointed after they finish these universities and receive these diplomas of theology and so forth. And why? Because they allow you to uh, present your own opinions. There is no truth 
that's actually spoken there. Satan has become successful in, in creating these. I thought maybe we need to do this. We also need to create a school. And people asked me, uh, why is it in your church you don't create this kind of school for learning? And the Holy Spirit strictly forbid this and said, don't even think these things. I will lose you. God lost. I won't speak the names of people. I looked at these individuals uh, with a lot of much respect, these evangelists, but they had created these uh, institutions and God lost them because he wanted that his people receive his knowledge in church and not do something separate that would then uh, make people arrogant over the rest of the community, over you need a member of a body of Christ and students of a body of Christ, not a student in a university. A nature of thievery or robbery when it comes to each other. Apostle Paul writes, For we are not as so many peddling the word of God, but as of sincerity, but as from God, who speak in the sight of God in Christ. 2 Corinthians 2.17 The nature of robbery or thievery when it comes to each other, where we give place to the devil, is keeping the wages of one that you hired for yourself. This is talking about businessmen or bosses. Do this work and I'll pay you. And when the work is done, he begins to become greedy and doesn't want to pay, saying, I don't have money, or or becomes very picky or stickler at what this person has, the work he has done. What, whatever methods they use, don't do this kind of thing. If this is a business, it's, of course, here I'm talking about when there's no mistake, but you're looking for a mistake intentionally. I was a witness how in our churches, some people did this. In our church, some people did this, and they wanted me to support them. A person came to me and said, I wasn't paid uh, enough uh, or sufficiently for what I was told. I was told I was going to get an amount, and I then told this person, it's not right. It's not right to, to do this, and you can't be a stickler. A person did according to his ability, and you hired him to do it. Maybe he can't do it as uh, as uh, the, the the workmanship may not be as a le at a level that maybe as a professional may do it. You shall not cheat your neighbor nor rob him. The wages of him who is hired shall not remain with you all night until morning. Leviticus 19.13 Fourth place that we give to the devil are corrupt and filthy words that come out of our mouth which do not edify in the faith and do not impart grace to the listener. Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but what is good for ne necessary edification, that it may impart grace to the hearer. Ephesians 4.29 In the original Greek language, the word corrupt, as it is here, means vain, rotten, corrupt, 
decaying, ruined, useless, and bad. Our words coming from the heart that are not cleansed from dead works, however right and good they may appear in our opinion, are not so in God's opinion or God's sight, that are corrupt, decaying, ruined, useless, and bad, they will be viewed as evil from which will come a foul odor of our corrupt essence. And so they speak these things and then they say glory to God, it will not be accepted. Bad words are uh, are not acceptable and when your heart is pure, you will say, speak a word, your heart will immediately condemn you for a unclean word that may have been spoken. An unclean heart will not condemn. <coughs> and so our words that come out of our heart that are not cleansed from dead works, however right again and good they may be in our opinion, are not in God's opinion or sight. They will be viewed as evil from which will come a foul odor of our corrupt essence. A good man, this is Matthew 12, 35 through 37, a good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good things, and an evil man <coughs> out of the evil treasure brings forth evil things. But I say to you that for every idle word men may speak, idle word is all those things rotting, Men may speak, they will give account of it in the day of judgment. For by your words you will be justified, and by your words you will be condemned. Idle words or corrupt words that we speak are words that are not the faith of our heart and are not imprinted upon the tablets of our heart. But to the wicked God says, What right have you to declare my statutes or take my covenant in your mouth? See, words are good that are spoken in his covenant. He's preaching, he's pre praying with these words, he sings these words. Seeing you hate instruction and cast my words behind you. When you saw a thief, you consented with him and have been a partaker with adulterers. You give your mouth to evil, and your tongue frames deceit. You sit and speak against your brother. You slander your own mother's son. This is a person from your church. These things you have done, and I kept silent. You thought that I was altogether like you. But I will rebuke you and set them in order before your eyes. Now consider this, you who, who forget God, lest I tear you in pieces, and there be none to deliver. Psalm 50, 16 through 22. Again, people who speak words that are not in the heart, the scriptures state, state that these are people who forget God. And here the Holy Spirit says by David, remember this, ho those who forget God, that I not take your salvation from you, and there be none to deliver. Therefore, every time when we, contrary to the requirement that are, requirements that are in Scripture, will not cleanse our mouth from filth, proclaim then God's covenant by our mouth in order to justify ourselves, we give place to the devil. Fifth place that we give to the devil is offending the Holy Spirit of God by whom we are sealed in the day of redemption. This happens when we 
on a whim forsake our church for which Christ died and resurrected. Doing this, we trample upon the Son of God and do not consider the blood of the covenant a holy thing by which we are sanctified and insult the Spirit of grace. Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as it in the manner of some, but exhorting one another and so much more as you see the day approaching. Rapture day, that is referring to rapture. For if we sin willfully after we have received the knowledge of the truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sins, but a certain fearful expectation of judgment and a fiery indignation which will devour that adversaries. Anyone who has rejected Moses' law dies without mercy on the testimony of two or three witnesses. How much more worse punishment do you suppose will be thought he who thought worthy who has trampled the Son of God underfoot counted the, the blood of the covenant by which he was sanctified a common thing and insulted the spirit of grace. Hebrews 10, 25-29 You leave the church of God. You say, what? what's wrong here? I go to a different church now. They say, well, this is not my church. Okay. In the day of judgment, God will judge you where your church was and where your church wasn't. I asked some people who have left, where did you go? Do you agree with everything there? No. Is there a church that exists then and a pastor that you would be completely agreeing with? They say, no. And I say, do you understand what you're saying? And they don't. They, with their own mouth, condemn themselves. These people who move, they move to a different church. Why? Because there is not a structure of theocracy there. And it's easier to do your own will there because everyone there is like that. They periodically all raise their hand and vote and then say to them, follow him, us, when they, when the lot was cast and they, and I, I was drawn from the, the three, the three, uh, the, uh, one of the brothers said, well, the brothers are waiting for you, and I looked at one, I looked at him and said, tell these brothers that if I need their uh, input, I will let them know. They immediately called me a dictator. And so they call a pastor to this brotherly council uh, instead of the pastor calling them. I often compare this. You know, the shepherd of the flock, he goes ahead and the sheep follow him. There may be a, a, a path that isn't very straight and they follow him wherever he goes and if there's some kind of uh, enemy or something that uh, that they uh, approach the shepherd fights for his sheep but when a shepherd if it is if it is a a shepherd that owns a larger, say, a cattle, animals, uh, they usually walk ahead and he behind them because he's... And so these democratic uh, churches, 
they called these, uh, they always follow uh, after the flocks rather than leading their flocks. And of course, all the fragrances uh, of this cattle will be going to the back to where this pastor is, unfortunately. When a person walks ahead, he's leading his flocks, uh, that he finds a place, a pasture for his sheep. But when a uh, pastor le uh, walks behind the flocks, then this entire system is distorted. It is, it is out of line. It's not according to God's structure. And so they leave. They go to what they do to do what they want, and their conscience doesn't judge them. Their pastor doesn't judge them either because he's voted for. Forsaking the assembling of ourselves is one of the heavier sins for which a sacrificed person does not remain. Upon practice, this means that such people will be vomited out of the mouth of God, and their names will be forever blotted out of the book of life. Because of this, they will never with their eyes see, and will never hear with their ears, and will not understand with their heart the salvation of God, and will never turn to God so that he can heal them. Sixth place that we give to the devil is all sorts of irritation, wrath, anger, yelling, and bad wording with all malice. The words that we spew from our mouth in irritation, anger, wrath, and, and malice make our mouth unclean and give within our heart place to the devil that is supposed to belong to God. And the reason for what for such destruction from which our conscience quit judging us consists in the fact that our conscience has burned out. This is because we have stepped away from the faith of God and began to listen to deceiving messages and uh, deceiving messengers as well. Now the Spirit expressly says that in latter times some will depart from the faith, giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrine of demons, speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their own conscience seared with a hot iron. First Timothy 4.1.2 Seventh place we give to the devil is our laziness which consists in us finding justification for ourselves as to why we have not invested or turned our salvation to profit. This happens because of laziness. Then he who had received the one talent came and said, Lord, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you have not sown and gathered where you have not scattered seed. And I was afraid and went to, and hid your talent in the ground. Look, there you have what is yours. But his Lord answered and said to him, You wicked and lazy servant. Wicked. He's, dece he's a deceiver. He's just covering up his laziness. You knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed, so you ought to have deposited my money with the bankers. It is my silver that you have. How is it that you say that I gathered where I have not sown? I, I sowed, I gave to you. I sowed into you. <clears throat> so you ought to have deposited my money with the bankers, and at my coming I would have received back my own with interest. So take the talent from him and give it to him who has ten talents. For to everyone who has, more will be given, and he who have abundance. But from him who does not have, even what he has will be taken away, and cast the unprofitable servant into the outer darkness. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Matthew 25, 24-30 the third result of perfect peace in the rock of our spirit will be the memory of casting off the old man with his deeds that will be imprinted upon our heart. 
we looked at the second result. This is the third result. Look at this interesting memory. Lamentation 3, 1 through 26. I am the man who has been afflicted by the rod of his wrath. Prophet Jeremiah says that he has afflicted, he has seen affliction by the rod of his wrath. He has led me and made me walk in darkness and not in light. Surely he has turned his hand against me time and time again throughout the day. He has aged my flesh and my skin he, and broken my bones. He has besieged me. He surrounded me with bitterness and woe. He has set me in dark places like the, de the dead of long ago. He has hedged me in so that I cannot get out. He has made my chain heavy. Even when I cry and shout, he shuts out my prayer. He has blocked my ways with with hewn stone he has made my path crooked. He has been to me a bear lying in wait, like a lion in ambush. He has turned aside my ways and torn me in pieces. He has made me desolate. He has bent his bow and set me up as a target for the arrow. He has caused the arrow of his quiver to pierce my loins. I have become the ridicule of all my people, their taunting songs all the day. He has filled me with bitterness. He has made me drink wormwood. He has also broken my teeth with gravel and covered me with ashes. You have moved my soul far from peace. I have forgotten prosperity. And I said, my strength and my hope have perished from the Lord. Remember my affliction and roaming, the wormwood and the gall. My soul still remembers and sinks within me. This I recall to my mind, therefore I have hope. He's talking about the things that he had. They no longer were, but these are. this was a memory. I recall to my mind, therefore I have hope. He remembers what what had happened to him. Through the Lord's mercy, we are not consumed because his compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I have, I hope in him. And so again, all these things, blessing and goodness will be received together as a church and not just individually. The Lord is good to those who wait for Him. Again, He talks about those and not just Himself, to the soul who seeks Him. It is good that one should hope and wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. First, this is one of the wondrous symbols where we see the circumstance and state that a person experiences being within the power of his hell heritage that was passed on to him by the program contained in the seat of his father. Second, this is God's reaction to reigning sin within our body in the form of our old person with his deeds being supported by organized powers of darkness that a person experiences upon himself when he resists reigning sin within his body. Until this time, he did not experience uh, all these things. An infant in Christ doesn't experience that. But when you come out of that infancy and you resist the old person, he begins to pour out wrath upon the old person. Why? Because he he is resisting his old person. The old person until this time was also quiet. Third, casting off the old man with his deeds 
Casting off the old man with his deeds will leave a hard memory of the suffering process within the hands of our new person, which will be a stronghold of humility for us, keeping us safe from all arrogance and exaltation over others. And each one will say, Zechariah 13, 5, 6, But he will say, I am no prophet, I am a farmer. For a man taught me to keep cattle from my youth. And one will say to him, What are these wounds between your arms? Then he will answer, Those with which I was wounded in the house of my friends. This place of scripture, some have interpreted uh, as Christ. Here it's talking about a person, a prophet. This is Prophet Zechariah. He speaks of himself. <coughs> but he will say, I am no prophet, I am a farmer, for a man taught me to keep cattle from my youth. You know, when you cast off your old person, when this happens, there are wounds, and God allows these wounds, these marks, to remain <clears throat> so that we never become arrogant. Because as soon as God begins to bless us with his wisdom, the mind of a person will bow before the knowledge that he has. He will not be arrogant. He remembers how God uh, drew him out of this uh, destruction. He remembers where he was, and if it weren't for the mercy of God, he would never have risen again. That's what it's talking about. Fourth result of perfect peace in the rock of our spirit is our ability to forgive our neighbor. I'll remind us that forgiveness is your, uh, the decision, your will and your mind, a decision of the will and mind. Forgive our neighbor because of something they've done against us. <clears throat> Joseph is a fruitful bow, a fruitful bow by a well. His branches run over the wall. <clears throat> the archers have bitterly grieved him. And so again, a wall, a symbol of perfection. Joseph is a fruitful bow, a fruitful bow by a well. His branches run over the wall. The archers have bitterly grieved him, shot at him, and hated him because he had a strong spirit and because he had a wall. But his bow remained in strength and the arm of his hands were made strong by the hands of the mighty God of Jacob. From there is the shepherd, the stone of Israel. Genesis 49, 22-24. And so we see the strength of our spirit and this is our, again, decision to forgive our neighbors as God has forgiven us in Jesus Christ. As Joseph, being a symbol of Christ, forgave his brothers, his church, <coughs> the house of his father. This is how we need to forgive one another.
And whenever you stand praying, if you have anything against anyone, forgive him, that your Father in heaven may also forgive your trespasses. But if you do not forgive, neither will your Father in heaven forgive your trespasses. Mark 11, 25, 26. The essence of such forgiveness consists in the fact that forgiving your neighbor, you save your soul. As we give God proper grounds to forgive us in Christ Jesus, as we have forgiven our neighbor. And we will remember that the sin of our neighbor against us is not comparable in weight and price with the price of our sin against God. Therefore, forgiveness, God's forgiveness of our sins is directly impacted or dependent upon our forgiveness of the sins of our neighbor. Then Peter came to him and said, Lord, how often shall I, shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him up to seven times? Jesus said to him, I do not say to you up to seven times, but up to seventy times seven. Therefore the kingdom of heaven is like a certain king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. And when he had begun to settle accounts, one was brought to him who owed him ten thousand talents. This was a a very large amount. This is 10,000 talents. Is one talent is about 30 kilograms. 10,000 talents. This is the weight of silver he owed him. A person at the time was able to earn just one denarii. And so, <clears throat> and there, there's about tens of thousands of denarii in one uh, talent. So it's impossible to return such a debt. But as he was not able to pay, this is a sin again against God. It's presented here in ten thousands of talents. But as he was not able to pay, this master commanded that he be sold with his wife and children and all that they had, and that payment may be made. The servant therefore fell down before him, saying, Master, have patience with me. I will pay you all. The master of that servant was moved with compassion, released him, and forgave him the debt because he would not have been able to return it. But that servant went out and found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. <clears throat> this is about a part of only one talent and he owed 10,000 talents that were forgiven him. And he laid hands on him and took him by the throat, saying, Pay me what you owe. So his fellow servant fell down at his feet and begged him, saying, Have patience with me, I will pay you all. And he would not, but went and threw him into prison till he should pay the debt. <clears throat> so when the fellow servant saw what had been done, they were very grieved and came and told their master all that had been done. Then his master, after he had called him, said to him, You wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt debt because you begged me should you not have had compassion on your fellow servant just as I had pity on you and his master was angry and delivered him to the tortures until he should pay all that was due him so my heavenly father also will do to you each of you from his uh, from his heart 
If he does not forgive his brother, his trespasses. <coughs> not forgiving our neighbor is giving place to the devil that's supposed to belong to God. And if we give place to the devil, we will share then his lot in hell. When we forgive the sins of our neighbors that have sinned against us, we keep this place for the Lord. And the reward for such obedience, we in the future will then share with the Lord eternal life. Fifth, the result of perfect peace in the rock of our spirit is <coughs> having within our essence the throne of David. Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end upon the throne of David and over his kingdom to order it and establish it with judgment and justice from what time forward, even forever, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. Isaiah 9, 7. According to this place of scripture, the building of the throne of David that has no uh, boundaries uh, is to expand God's peace in all, upon all aspects of our body. We trust in God and, and we do this by the measure of our faith and this happens by the measure of our growth and knowledge we have of the inheritance of Christ, which then depends on the measure of our dedication to God, which then establishes the throne in our heart. He who has received its testimony has certified that God is true, for he whom God has sent speaks the word of God, for God does not give the Spirit by measure. John 3, 33-34. <coughs> God does not give by measure, we by measure... Uh, accept or receive. God does not place these limits. <clears throat> For I say through, this, through the grace given me to everyone who is among you not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly as God has dealt to each one a measure of, it, of faith. Romans 12, 3. And so when we don't think of ourselves by the measure of our faith, I will remind us that every aspect of our essence, there needs to be a throne of David. We need to, again, build the throne of David so that every aspect of our essence, our spirit, our soul, and our body would be able to be controlled by the throne of David or directed. Each of these thrones are called to fulfill different purposes but pursue one goal in order to make our house as the house of the Most High where he will then abide forever. I'll remind us that the aspect of our spirit, the throne of David, is called to be our conscience cleansed from dead works with the imprinted upon its tablets, the elementary teachings of Christ and the Holy Spirit who reveals this truth in our heart. The Urim and the Thummim is the throne in our spirit when our conscience is cleansed. The aspect of our soul, the throne of David is called to be the uh, intelligent aspect of our soul renewed by the spirit of our mind so that it can receive the ability to be controlled by the intelligent aspect of our spirit. The aspect of our body is 
The throne of David is called to be a pure mouth that is able to call upon the Lord in truth and righteousness. And so having this throne of David upon in all three of our essences, they will work together then as one command, as one army, for one goal, for one purpose. Where it's writing that upon the throne of David and over his kingdom to order and establish it with judgment and justice from that time forward, this needs to happen by the words of our mouth that proclaim God's truth. Our time today is is up and I thought we would have gone a little bit further today but we can do that in the next service. Let us bend our knees and pray. We will thank God for that truth that we were able to receive today for the service, for the worship we have and in for our communication with one another. Amen. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, again and again I thank you, together with your saints, that we have this honor to be upon this holy place, that you have given to us with your kind hand with your loving arms and we thank you that we can expand on the earth we thank you that you have delivered us from uh, cares and all debts in our mind because you said that this earth is yours and all of this belongs to you but you want to teach us so that we be content with what we have and that we earn with our own hands as many of us wait for your blessing and not to work but that someone work for us and earn and bring to us thinking that this is a blessing you had said that this is a curse if a person does not work and lives a parasitic way of life. It's not important what kind of work you have. It's important to do it from your soul as for the Lord. This kind of work that we have and that money that we receive, it will form us into these precious stones these are your instruments that you with which you form us our soul often wants more is jealous why you gave others more why their grass is greener than mine but when we begin to understand that these are all your blessed instruments because you want to make us precious, glowing, and beautiful so that you can put these stones into the golden setting so that our prayers be in accordance to your demands so that the heavens would be trembling before these prayers so that hell 
become afraid from these prayers and being content in the little, we resist all of hell and we make the heavens rejoice. I ask you, in the name of Jesus Christ, make this truth accessible to the heart every, of every person that can hear. You often proclaim, let those who have an ear, let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Allow the church to hear this and accept this so that they not struggle and not think about wealth, but think about how to be free from their old person and how to erect the stronghold of life in their body to be content with what they have and then you will begin to bless them and those who are able to be content with little you will then trust them with more but those who were not content will be unfaithful will be like that evil and lazy servant <coughs> who buried in the earth the guarantee of his salvation because he was not happy with what God blessed him with. He was not content with his pay, with his husband, with her husband, with his wife, with their children, with their neighbors. Lord, make this truth accessible to us <clears throat> so it be as a mark and a remembrance for us so that our soul would be able to understand all these things and not think more of itself. That everything we have, we only have it because of your mercy. This is not our mind. This is not because we earned it but or deserve it. This is because of the sacrifice of your son in which we have your great inheritance. Thank you for this great mercy for your people and we worship together with your nation, our great God, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. И солнышко ясно засветит. And now let us proclaim our unchanging manifestation now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy to God our Savior who alone is wise be glory and majesty dominion and power both now and forever. Amen.